here's the way I do things now. I walk a lot and I think a lot. I guess you could call it prayer. It's, you know, interchange with God and what I'm thinking in my mind and what scriptures come to mind and things that I read and so forth and so on. I still study. And my mind has changed. I've repented many, many, many times. My mind has changed about many things, many times. Instead of seeing that as a negative, I see it as a positive. That if I'm learning, I have, my mind has to change. I have to repent, change my mind. Allow my mind to be changed. Allow myself to be convinced by the Spirit of God that something I'm thinking is true. It's true. So I've changed my mind about several very significant things in the last few years. Now, you understand, folks, that we're all on a journey, a spiritual journey. That means that we're all probably not in the same spot on that journey, right? In the way we think, in the way we see things and assess things and all kinds of things. We're all in different places. And most of us in here have a real common ground uh, by now, uh, if you've been around a while, concerning grace and the realities of grace and what a wonderful thing that is and how it's changed our lives and changed our thinking and all of you repented over and over again to come to an understanding of grace, haven't you? I changed my mind about that. I say, I, I, I can't believe I used to believe that. I, I can't believe that I swallowed that from some that taught me things. I, I look back and I can't believe I believed it, but I believed it at the time. So we're all on a journey, and if you're not, if in fact... The possibility exists that you don't know everything, <laughs> then there's some things to know, right? There's some things to learn. Is that is that true or not? To me, that's fun. It it brings energy to spirituality and spiritual life and my connection with God and all of that. I love learning. I love I love learning. Now I'm, I'm I would I've I'm pretty cautious, meaning but before I say something to you all or talk to you about something, I'm pretty well convinced that I'm right about it <laughs> and that it's the truth or I wouldn't say it. And it takes a while for me to be convinced of something. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty careful about that, honestly. But I'm telling you, the last number of years, ever since this church started, it's like a, a, a rocket ship taken off for me and my own understanding of things. And I thought I knew a lot before that, but I, there's a lot of things I didn't know. So I want to encourage you to continue to, to seek. And if you seek, you'll find. You'll find truth as you seek it. Uh, be open. Don't be afraid. Don't, don't be afraid of pursuing the truth, the real truth about God and about how he is and what he is and about Christ and what he did and all of that. Uh, don't be afraid. I mean, God's not going to get mad at us if we came up with a stupid idea. It wouldn't be the first one I've had. But I'm telling you, it's a thrilling, thrilling journey.
Now, I want you to know, folks, what he did and what he's doing is awesome. (laughs) It is awesome. It's awesome. And it gets more awesome all the time to me. Really, I think, oh my gosh, that's better than I thought. That's so much, you're so, oh God, you're so good. You're, it's, all, it's pretty constant. That's what it does to me. I think he, he gets bigger and better all the time to me. And as far as my walk with God and understanding of God and all of that, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I enjoy it. I think it's fun. I think it's fun to begin to realize and comprehend the magnitude of what he did in his life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So, I told you my mind's changed in some significant areas for me, okay? I want to show you one of those today, all right? I throw in a couple of other little things in there at the same time, but they're all kind of interconnected. One of the most significant, a significant change in thinking for me began a good long time ago, but began to progress in my thinking. And that's this idea of no separation. It's a significant reality, a significant truth. Because we were taught, I don't mean to criticize, people teach what they know, okay, so, or what they think they know. But we were taught from early on, I was, uh, in seminary certainly, and even before that, in the church before I went to seminary, I didn't, I didn't become a believer until I was in college, so I didn't have much, any background. But I was taught, basically, that you were born in sin, therefore God is separated from you because he can't live with sin. He can't live in the midst of sin. He can't be around sin. He's holy and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So you're here and God's here, and there's a divide between you. So there has to be a bridge to God, and that's Jesus, the cross, the bridge to God. But God is there, and you're here. You're separated from him. So you have to do something. You have to do something in order to get to him. Now that began early, and I'm going to read you some scriptures here in a minute. That began early in the, in the Garden of Eden. That's where it started. Do you understand? That's, that's where all of this happened, where it began happening, this idea or sense of separation from God. When Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil... They saw God in a different way than they had previously. Before, they fellowshiped with God in the cool of the day. You know, I mean, he's with them. I mean, literally, somehow or other, with them. I can't imagine what that would be like. And when that happened, you know what happened. Immediately, fear, fear. I was afraid, Adam said. I was afraid. Adam, where are you? I was afraid. That's the first mention of fear. Fear came with that belief system. 
Who was he afraid of? He said, I, I was afraid. Afraid of whom? Who, who was he afraid of? Afraid of God. Afraid of God. That's a sad place to be. Being afraid of God. Shame also is an attendant emotion. Immediately. I was ashamed. So we covered ourselves. God didn't tell him to cover himself. God didn't tell him to fear. He did pre-warn them to say, if you eat of this, you know, some things are going to happen to you. They thought they were doing something good, I believe. They wanted to be like God. You're wrong if you think you wouldn't have gone over there and plucked of that tree also. You probably would have. I don't know. But fear and shame, separation in their minds. They were separated from God in their mind. In their mind. God never separated himself from them. They thought he did. They felt like they were. And they saw him in a different manner. And you understand the implications of that. I mean, human, humankind immediately began down a trail of all kinds of division and separation and fussing and fighting and wars and, you know, killing. And, you know, we, we were living up to our, our expectations, I guess. That's where it started. God never said, depart from me. He pursued them, as a matter of fact. It's always there. And here's one of the reasons I know, God, there's no separation. Because it's impossible. It's impossible to be separated from God. Impossible. I'm skipping the first point here and going to the second one. She turned to Colossians 1.16. Let me read you a few verses. It says, For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on the earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. They consist. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all fullness to dwell in him, and through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the, through the blood of the cross. Through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven and although we were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. That's where the alienation and hostility came, was in our minds, in, his, in Adam and Eve's minds, and therefore in our minds. We were alienated in our mind from God. They said, he holds all things together. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and without Him was not anything made that was made. 
And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I can read you a whole list of scriptures that say he spoke and created. He's in all things. All things consist in him. All things, things, people, things, all things are in him. All things, everything is in him. And it's not like the universe out here and he's, he's separated from it, but he's holding it together with his hands. The universe is in God. The universe operates in him, in him. The, the, what holds all things together between... Uh, between the atoms is God. In the, in the vacuum between the atoms of the universe is, is the life of God. God holds all things together. He created it. He holds it together. It's within him. You cannot be separated from him. Nothing is separated from God. And I'm telling you this, whatever, whatever exists, exists in him. You know matter never goes away. It just changes form. All of it's in God. He's big, folks. He's big. He's really, 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 really big. Big. Everything exists in him. And where the alienation came was in our minds. That's why Jesus felt on the cross when he was dying on the cross. And he made that statement that so much religious uh, doctrine is drawn from. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When Jesus said that, God didn't forsake Jesus. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. When did he do that? He did it on the cross. He did it in the resurrection. God was in Christ. When he was reconciling the world to himself, God died on that cross. He didn't withdraw from his son. But Jesus thought he did because he had the sins of the world, that alienated mindset that we are all taught and born with, really. That alienated mindset. By the way, while I'm on that topic, let me think. Should you feel sorry you were a sinner when you were born in sin? That's like me apologizing for being born with white skin. I'm sorry. I couldn't help it. I wish I had Melissa's skin. Where are you, Melissa? There she is. I wish I had her skin. I want her skin. She's got beautiful skin. My skin's not good for this climate. I, I'm not apologizing for being white. I'm, I am. I didn't have any choice. And why should I apologize for being a sinner if I was born in sin? And God never asked me to apologize. He asked me to change my mind, to repent, to change my mind, and to believe. Believe what he did and what it produced. That's a whole other topic that I don't want to touch on. This whole thing of separation. He holds all things together. No one is separated from God. Nothing is separated from God. It's impossible. Everything exists in him. 
You've never been separated from him. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave. That's what motivated him to give his love. He loved. You know, when God was creating, he created everything in the first creation, animals, all this. He said, it is good. Then he created man. And what did he say about man? Let us make man, mankind. Let us make mankind in our image. Let us make mankind in our image. And in his image, he created him. So every human being, mankind itself, bears the image of God. We were created in his image. That image was marred through our thinking. We couldn't see it. We couldn't see ourselves reflected in him. We, we couldn't see the image of God in ourselves. We didn't believe it. We, we, we don't act like we bear the image of God sometimes, we think. It has nothing to do with acting or doing. All mankind bears the image of God, everyone. The image of God is in everyone. It's just marred. Can't see it. We don't see it a lot of times. Let us make man in our image. And behold, it was very good. Very good. Do you think God still thinks it's very good? Yes, he does. God so loved. For God so loved the what? The what? The world. Think about that for a minute. For God so loved the world. We're talking about no separation here. I'm just... God so loved the world that he did something that was no less than cataclysmic for the human race. Cataclysmic. Changed everything. Changed everything <laughs> from the way it was. He loved the world so very much that he gave the ultimate gift. That's how much it's worth to him. Now, when we say world, what are we talking about? Well, we talk, are we talking about the planet, the cosmos? Yes, yes, we are talking about that. That may not be the primary focus of it, but it's there. God created and said it was good. He still thinks it's good. You talking about the planet? Yes, I am. He loves what he created. And you'd love it too if you take time to look at it. <laughs> I walk on the beach a lot. And, oh, the sunsets and the sunrises and the the weather, the ocean, the, oh, I just, I'm in awe at times, awe, awe. You see a picture of the earth from the satellite or 
spaceship. It's, it's utterly gorgeous. I would say it is good. It's good. So he's talking about all that, yes. But the primary focus of that statement is what, who? Mankind. Mankind. He loves mankind. He loves mankind. And I can, you do believe God is love, right? Anybody disagree with that? God is love, very simply stated in 1 John. We all believe that. God is love. What kind of love is he? Perfect love. Agape love. Absolute perfect love. Pure, perfect, absolute love. It's Martha's favorite term. It's relentless love also. Love always pursues. So we agree that God is love, right? He's that kind of love. That's not a kind of love that we know a lot about. Maybe we're trying to learn about it, but it's a different kind. I mean, it's a, it's a love that's uh, sizably bigger than mine and better than mine and yours. It's a different quality, absolute perfect love. It's a different quality of love. Therefore, if everything is in him, everything is in the medium of love. Operates in the medium of love. So whatever is happening to anyone or will happen to them happens in the midst of love and that will never change God does not change he's the same yesterday today and forever in him we live and move and have our what our being our very being itself is in him we live in him we move in him who is he talking about he's talking about everyone they don't know it some of them would, could care less, no matter what you told them. They don't believe it, don't know it, don't understand it, don't pursue it, and don't care about it. There are people like that, certainly. So God stops loving them. Has he stopped loving the world? No. No. He never will. He never will. So love is going to do what love does. Now see, I start having thoughts like this, and then my mind goes to other things. Okay, if this is true, then let me look at this. Uh, if that's true, then look at this. It, it, it's all tied together. But you can try... I trust love. I trust perfect love with myself, my life, my family, those I love, and with everyone else. I trust love with them. Whatever love does, I would agree with. Whatever love wants to do, that's, that's what I would agree with. He hasn't stopped loving the world. He's never been separated from anyone. 
Now, it doesn't mean that they are a believer. It doesn't mean that they're, quote, saved. They still need to be saved by faith. But you have to understand what being saved means. It means to be made whole or complete. Sozo, salvation, saved. Matter of fact, that's Jesus' name, really, is God is salvation. They still need to be saved. Let me ask you a question. You believe you're forgiven of your sins? Do you? Okay. Were you forgiven of your sins before you believed it or when you believed it? Did the cross happen before you believed it? Yeah. Did Jesus take the sins of the world upon himself before you believed it or when you believed it? Before. It was the truth before you believed it. It was, actu it was actuality before you believed it. Were, were, you, were you redeemed when you believed you were or were you redeemed before you believed you were. See, your believing didn't make it happen. You just woke up to the reality of what he had already done. That's what being saved means, folks. It means coming awake. It's, it's coming awake to the reality that exists all around you to start with. That's why it feels so cataclysmic for all of us, really, is our lives were changed when we believed, right? I mean, it, and, and my little eyes were just open a little bitty peak back there when I was 20 years old. I didn't know anything. I didn't know what to believe, honestly. I just did what they said, but I felt God. I felt, okay, this is a journey, and I'm, I want to go on it, whatever it is, wherever it leads. Just a little speck of light and a little speck of faith. I started believing what was true of me already. It's already true of me. I just didn't know it. And I didn't see it. That's what being saved really is. This coming awake. And we are still being saved. Do you understand what I mean? We Be being saved is really what it says. Be being saved. In other words, I'm still growing. I'm growing in my understanding. I'm still being, in my mind, being made whole and made complete as my mind begins to see more and more of the truth of who he is and what he did and what he's like. I'm, be, I'm being. And it's a thrilling journey. I love being saved. Yeah. <laughs> I wish it just hadn't took me so dadgum long. But there's a, listen, there's a whole lot more. There's more and more and more. And it just makes God bigger and better to you all the time. And it changes the way you see yourself, the way you see him, and certainly the way you see other human beings, every other human being, honestly. It does. I value everybody more than I used to. That doesn't mean I want to hang out with everybody, but I value everybody. <laughs> I feel I'm a recluse, pretty much. 
I don't have time to talk to everybody and think at the same time. So, you know, that's what I like doing. Uh, I forgot where I was. You're, that's what being saved means, is coming awake. And boy, you just do a little bit, and he just, he, he comes. He wants you to be saved, to be being saved, to be made whole and complete in your thinking, in your mind. Now, I know there are implications of that. Some of you are thinking, well, Pastor Clark's so-and-so and so-and-so now. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Don't pigeonhole me. Don't put me in a category. I'm a learner. I'm a seeker and a learner. And I mostly seek and learn for myself. But we need to change some ways that we think. We need to repent, always. Change our minds in light of new, truthful information. And you can trust the Holy Spirit within you, folks. You can. You can trust the Spirit. He came to teach us, to lead us into all the truth. You can trust Him. I promise you. I promise you you can trust Him. You can say, Lord, I'm confused about this. But Holy Spirit, I, I, don't, I don't get this. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I don't want to get in error. I don't want to be a heretic. I don't want to, you know, be a weirdo. I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to. Well, I, I don't care anymore about all that. I, I want to know the truth. That's what I want to know is the truth. Because I know that it's going to be good, whatever it is. It's going to be better than I thought, whatever it is. See, religion has reduced God down. It's, it's brought him down. It's made him little. And he's not little. It's made him into some kind of grandfather figure that's, you know, he's pretty cranky to tell you the truth about it. But religion, I mean, God's a little cranky, you know, sensitive, gets mad pretty often. And if he's not, he should be, you know, the way we think. We do good, you're blessed. Do bad, you're cursed. Do good, God's glad. Do bad, God's mad. That's the same old religious claptrap. It's been around forever. It's a, it's, that's what every religion is based on, that kind of stuff. I don't care who it is. So just choose another one and go over there. You'll be doing exactly the same thing as you do in religious Christianity almost. It's a little better than that. But. but God's big, folks. He's big. Okay. Let me show you one other thing. No separation. It's impossible to be separated from God. He's in everything. Okay, I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time and just I'm just gonna do a little bit in Romans five, okay? Romans 5 is talking about first Adam, second Adam. Uh, where to start? Uh, verse 10. Romans 5. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God 
through the death of his son. You reconcile to God when you're an enemy of God in your mind. That's <laughs> what he said. Just right there is what he said. We were enemies. While we were enemies, we reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Yes, sir. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. Therefore, just as through one man's sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Adam. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not impeded where there is no law. There's no standard to judge it by. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the same offenses as Adam, who, made, who was a type of him who was to come. Adam was. But the free gift is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, the many died. If through the transgression of the one, the many died. How many died through the transgression of the one? When he says the many died, who's he talking about? Every, all. Right? You don't have any problem believing that, do you? That all died there? Okay. For if by the transgression of them the many died, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. What does the many mean there? Same thing. If all died in Adam, then this is true of all. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions. All of us. Resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one, much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So as through one transgression they're resulting in condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. All men. You can't believe that Adam's sin infected everybody in the, in, in the whole world uh, from the beginning of time and not believe that the one act of righteousness through the one man act of righteousness. Does that mean they know it? No. Does it mean they believe it? No. Does it mean that they're saved? No. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean any of that, but it's the truth of them. Everyone. You don't think Adam was stronger than Jesus, do you? More effective? Do you think Adam was more effective as a sinner than Jesus was as a savior? Of course not. Of course not. Of course not. I realize that has implications in the way we think from this from that point on, and it does. And I I, I believe some things about that too that are connected with this that maybe some of these years I might share with you. I don't know. 
I don't want you to be upset by anything. I want you to, I want you to be excited about discovery and thinking thoughts you hadn't thought before. Of, of, of logically approaching this. Martha said this a long, 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 long time ago back when we were in elders meetings and discussing grace. And she said, grace is logical. I said, it sure is. It's logical. It makes sense. Let me read the rest of this. It's pretty good. And the law came in that the transgression might increase, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. That as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. First Corinthians 15. Just a couple of verses there. This is really good. Look in verse uh, 20, 1 Corinthians 15. It says, but now, Christ has been but now Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. Since by a man came death, Adam, by a man also came the resurrection from the dead. For as Adam... For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ, what? All shall be made alive. God has a plan, folks. God's got a plan. Perfect love gets done what perfect love sets out to do. And it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to a change of mind. Perish meaning having no, no life, no incomplete, being incomplete and not whole in pieces. Let me ask you this. Just because somebody tells you to and that's required of you, can you just love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength? Can you? Can you just all of a sudden just start loving God with all your heart? No, you can try to. That's all you can do is try to, right? Can't do it, but you can try to do it. Can you love your neighbors yourself? Well, you can try to. That's all you can do is try to. What I'm saying to you is this. That, that was, that's the law. That's the law. That's, that's the summary of the law and the prophets. It's not grace. It's law. It sums it all up. You, just focus on doing this with all your might, strength, will, ooh, ooh, all this, and that's what it is. Yeah, You've got to give it your all. You're not going to get there. I mean, the bar's too high. You're never going to make it, but keep on trying and do your best. Do your best. Do your best. And at the end of the day, you know, we'll see if you did enough.
basically the way it goes. Do your best. I, I, for the life of me, just don't just naturally love a God like that. I just don't. I, I sure do love the one I've discovered. He doesn't even have to tell me to love him. He doesn't have to encourage me to love him. The more I find out about him, the more I love him. The more impressed I am. The more awesome he is. The more in awe I am. The more uh, lost I get in who he is instead of who I am. I know I have nothing to offer and he's everything. But he just loves me so much and I'm so special to him. And, you know, he's, uh, I don't have any trouble loving him. <laughs> it happens when you see him as he is. You won't have to try to love God with all your heart, mind, your soul, your strength, or even love your neighbors yourself. I think that is a possibility for all of us as we walk in love. But you don't have to try to love him. You just do. When you find out who he is, and what he's done, and how very, very much he loves you. And them. How much he loves you and them. All of them. All of them. He loves them. Us. He loves them. Us. Oh, how he All of them. Uh, you want to play something, whoever's playing? Can I tell you the truth about it? There, I don't know much about anything. All, all of the stuff in coming is going to be a little different than any of us think. I don't know, honestly. I don't have to know. I trust love. I trust love with everyone. I trust everyone to love. I trust their well-being to love. I, I, trust, I trust him to do what love does. His kind of love. <laughs> what his kind of love does. Mm -hmm.